Good morning. It is uh, definitely a pleasure and a privilege to be able to share with you this morning and uh, on Fourth of July weekend. And uh, you know, it's with this sense of honor that I've actually had in mind when Pastor Terry asked me to think about what I'd share on to share on this idea of remaining and staying in the midst of a circumstance that might compel us to move. And, uh, you know, we just heard a song, a really powerful song, daring us to move. And sometimes we are asked to move. God is moving in our lives to draw us to certain places. But I'm going to be sharing with you on this idea that a lot of times, or sometimes we are in circumstances that are frustrating, circumstances that um, may not be the most comfortable, and yet the Lord asks us to stay right there. And this idea actually brought to mind something that happened to me when, uh, that I started learning when I started really following Jesus. It was about you know, a good amount of years ago now. It's about 12 years ago I started coming here. I was 15, and I uh, started coming to Cornerstone with my family and started attending because they, they brought me. And um, after a while, a couple years later, you know, I was around 17 when I started to really take up scriptures on my own and pray on my own and develop what I would call a prayer life. And at the time, they were offering this 14-week-long Bible study on Sunday afternoons from 1 to 4. And if that doesn't sound like a long time, it, 14 weeks was quite a bit of time. And it was uh, three hours every Sunday afternoon on the third floor. And uh, we'd gather, and the class was actually called uh, Christ-Centered Living. And I was, I was definitely one of the only teens there, and it was a class of adults all ready and willing to engage, and so there was a lot of dialogue, a lot of questions, a lot of activity going on within the class, and I kind of, I was definitely hungry and open and um, desiring to learn as much as I could, but also being shy and kind of the youngest in the group, I didn't really want to say anything in front of anyone. And so on the side, after each class, I would go up to the teacher and ask him my own questions, things I didn't understand or things I was kind of going through, and after a while, I ended up developing kind of an open door with him. He gave me his phone number, the Bible teacher, and said, you know what, if you have any questions during the week or if you would like to, me to pray for you about something, you just want to bounce some ideas off me, just go ahead and give me a call, and I'll, you know, I'm, I'm making myself available to you. And so I said, great, that sounds good. I took his number, and not too long after that, um, I was, you know, at the time I was uh, going to community college and uh, working at a job I definitely didn't want to be at. Um, at night, and I was on my way to class. I was getting ready, and I decided to spend some time reading, and I came across uh, this account in the Gospels where Jesus comes up to Peter, who's a fisherman by trade, and he had just spent the whole night fishing, and he's mending his nets in the morning, and Peter, Jesus comes up to him, and he says a simple phrase. He says, follow me, and then in response, Peter, a fisherman by trade, goes ahead, and he, he drops his nets, and he follows Jesus. That, that really compelled me. It kind of spoke to me. Because at the time, I was going to school, taking classes I really did, wasn't interested in. The motivation wasn't there. I was at a job I didn't like being at. And so this idea that Peter was approached by Jesus, and Peter's response was to quit his job and to follow him, I thought, wow, right? Maybe it's my turn to do that. And I thought, you know what? Maybe it's time for me to quit school to quit my job and follow him, right? And, and I had heard this, this term tossed around of a missionary of sorts, and so I thought, you know what, maybe I'm supposed to quit everything going on right now and become a, a missionary. And so that morning, I kind of determined in my mind, I said, well, I guess I'm, you know, I don't know, I'll, I'm going to quit school. 
And I thought, well, maybe, maybe this is one of those decisions, maybe this is one of those moments that the Bible teacher was talking about that I should probably give him a call and just, you know, uh, bounce it off of him a little bit. And I thought, I also thought, you know what, maybe he's going to be really excited. He's going to be like, wow, awesome, you're making such a great decision here. And, uh, you know, come on, join the club kind of thing. And so I gave him a call. I was really excited. And I called him. I said, you know, uh, I'm thinking about I'm actually going to quit school and my job. And uh, I'm going to do that so I could, like, be a missionary. You know, I really didn't know what that meant. <laughs> but uh, I knew I wanted to be one. And so, uh, you know, I, I let him know. And the teacher, without really remembering exactly what he said, the first thing he asked me was, you know, why? <laughs> and, uh, you know, I... And I was kind of sincere, but what I didn't tell him, you know, what I did tell him is, you know, I want to tell, I want to tell my friends about Jesus. I want to tell my, my classmates and my family members and those people that are around me about Jesus. And that was true. What was also very true is that I didn't want to be in school. And I didn't want to work. And I didn't really enjoy where I was at right now. And I, I thought this was a great open door, this opportunity for me to you know, escape <laughs> in many ways. So he sat there and, and, and kind of, you know, maybe guessing that what I didn't tell him was also there. He says, you know, I don't think that's a good idea. I think you need to actually uh, stay and learn to depend on God. And uh, a little bit confused, a little bit like bummed, um, <laughs> I went ahead and said, well, what does that mean? What do you mean depend on God? I mean, Jesus asked Peter to follow him, and he did, right? What do you mean I need to depend on God and stay at the same time? He says, well, what you need to do is you need to depend on him as you remain faithful to your current responsibilities. You need to remain dependent on him to get you through this. You need to walk through this. Be faithful. And if God actually has this for you, to go in the direction you think you're supposed to go, he will provide the path. He will open up that door for you. But don't force it. Don't try to do it on your own. You need to stay where you're at and be faithful. So I kind of sat in that a little bit and said, all right, well, I guess I got to go to class. Um, <laughs> you know, since I'm not quitting. And, and uh, so I got to get going. And I went to class, and I was sitting in class I really didn't appreciate, you know, like. And I just this thought sat, sat in me, you know. I got to be faithful here. Here, I got to be faithful. And it's been, it's been quite some time now since uh, that really impressed me and challenged me at a, kind of a core level to rethink some things. And, you know, a year later, I ended up volunteering in the youth ministry and um, I assumed I would be stacking chairs and helping set up tables and stuff. And about a month later or so, you know, I was asked, would you like to maybe do a little bit more? And I said, great, you know, maybe this time I could set up the refreshments too. And, and, uh, and he says, you know, well, here's the curriculum. I want you to think about maybe teaching once in about four months. And I thought, well, why not next year, right? <laughs> and, uh, and they went ahead and had me prepare and I had to learn to depend on him for that, which was a very challenging thing to do at the time. And, and so I had to learn throughout the whole process of serving and volunteering while going to school and working and doing something I truly loved. Even though I loved it, I still needed to learn how to depend and stay and remain faithful, even sometimes when I didn't really feel motivated to do so. 
It's been a learning process for me over you know, the last uh, 10 years that I've been trying to learn this lesson. And I was thinking about this as I've been serving with teens and with families. I've seen other people, families, be in situations where the motivation may not be there. The, if you could understand this phrase, the brook is drying out. And yet they make these decisions. They are brought to points where they have to make some very hard decisions. And there's a large amount of temptation to grow hasty and frustrated and restless. Now, I was thinking about this as I've seen people make some crucial decisions. And I've been able to walk with different people in different areas of life, phases of life. I think about a person who might be single and desiring a relationship on one hand, and on the other hand, desiring to honor the Lord. And the two just don't seem to coincide right now. And they're being asked in this drying period to actually remain single, faithful. It's a tough position to be in. I thought about the different people I've gotten the opportunity to talk with, people who have started their careers in sales or in software and marketing, and they've been honest with me that, you know, some of their their, um, pay is dependent on commission. And sometimes being honest and holding integrity with products and their clientele will not produce the commission they need that month. And it's a tough decision to make what to do when their literal brook is drying out and yet... They know they may not make it if they hold to their principles. These are tough, tough places to be in. Tough places to be in. We may not be in any of those situations, but wherever we may be, if we are sent to an assignment or to a place, we probably most likely start out with a high degree of motivation, high degree of passion, of hope. And over time, inevitably, things begin to dry out. The relationships may have been there when we started, the resources, the life. And then as we remain, we may see things to slowly dwindle away. And what we do in that spot actually is very, very crucial. Because it doesn't just affect that moment of decision. It ends up affecting a lot more. And people around us, people we may never know about, are affected by those moments by those decisions we make in the places where things are drying out. How we handle those things matter. They matter. The thing about the scriptures is that I personally love is if we were to read through them, we see different accounts of different people walking through different, completely different situations that actually are pretty comparable to our own. We get to see in plain open view people walk through drying brook moments, tough moments, situations that might call them in a certain direction. And if we are able to read it and understand what is being shown to us, we will be able to glean lessons. Some might be warnings. Some might be areas that will show us strength to move on. And others might be areas to show us exactly what happens when a person trusts themselves to the Lord. And it's with this idea that we're actually going to take a look at this one of the individuals in the Old Testament. His name is Elijah, and he was known as a prophet who spoke up for the Lord. And just to set the setting, you know, when he was alive, Elijah lived in a, in a time when 
Israel was being led by a monarch, King Ahab and uh, his wife Jezebel. And Ahab and Jezebel were very interested in persuading people away from waiting on God, away from depending on him. In fact, they were very active in setting up centers of worship for a different God, the God they called Baal. And they persuaded the nation of Israel, God's very own people, to actually not count God worth depending on, but to actually turn towards this other God, Baal. And that, wasn't, that was just half of it. The other half is that Ahab and Jezebel, at the same time that they tried to persuade people away in a rather effective manner, they also very violently pursued anyone who would dare stand up for God. Anyone who would dare speak to the people and say, hey, let's not turn away from him. Let's not move away from him. Let's, let's remain with him. Anybody who would dare speak up would be incarcerated, sometimes murdered, violently pursued. And so in this environment that Elijah steps onto the scene, and what he has to say is actually pretty powerful. This is what we're told in verse 1, that Elijah the Tishbite of the inhabitants of Gilead has an audience with the king. And this is what he says. As the Lord God of Israel lives, before whom I stand, there shall not be dew nor rain these years, except at my word. So Elijah starts off by coming onto the scene, gets an audience with Ahab, and he first declares one thing. He says, Ahab, you may have counted God not to maybe worth trusting, leaning on. Maybe he doesn't exist to you. But I'm here to assure you, he is alive. And not only that, just so that there's no mistake, there's absolute clarity, I stand with him. I identify myself with him. Once he declares that and makes that statement, he says, now here's what's going to happen. There will be no water produced from the ground up or the clouds down. There is a drought effective immediately. And you just, just sit there. Somehow Ahab, Ahab and Jezebel probably reacted to that. We're not really told how. They may have cynically responded and writing it off and saying, you know what, that's just a bunch of mumbo jumbo. It's nothing really to be worried about. And Elijah was allowed to leave and they probably just sat there. We don't really know how they sat there, but we know this, that as time wore on and this word became, began to be fulfilled, Elijah would be a very high-profile wanted man. And he would be wanted not for his counsel, but for him to stop what he has put into effect. And his life, his very life would be in danger for what he just said. Because it's actually going to happen. And so it's with this in mind that actually the Lord, if we were to read on verse 2, that the word of the Lord came to him, him being Elijah. And this is what he said. Elijah, get away from here. Turn eastward and hide by the brook of Cherith, which flows into the Jordan. And it will be that you shall drink from the brook, and I have commanded ravens to feed you there. So if we actually were to take a look at Israel, we would, a map of Israel, we would see that Elijah grew up in this town, Tishbe. And when the Lord said, go to the brook of Cherith, it would be something Elijah would be very familiar with. It's just north of where he grew up. 
And so Elijah is asked to go to this brook which flows into the river, which leads us to believe it was among some mountain ranges. And it was among some peaks, right? And there was trees and bushes there, probably some caves for Elijah to hide away in, Elijah to be protected. And the Lord says, Elijah, go there, and if when you're thirsty, when you need refreshment, the brook is right there for you. Right? Don't go to the public Jordan River. Go to the secluded spot. You'll be taken care of. And when you're hungry, I have commanded birds, ravens, to deliver some food. Amazing. There's no underline. There's no, like, exclamation mark. Nothing. You were just told, hey, I, I've taken care of the food. Ravens are going to drop it off. Right? <laughs> Don't worry. The truth is, ravens, if we just, a couple things we might, might be helpful for us to know is that ravens, ravens are known for being scavengers. Ravens are known for gathering food, scraps, providing for their needs, and then when they have a surplus, they actually hide it away and store it under leaves and in, within crevices. And we're told, we also know that ravens were, um, they inhabited in, among the mountain ranges. And so Elijah would actually become somehow neighbors with the ravens. Not only that, ravens have this ability, this capacity to be able to fly for long distances and time spans without growing tired. And so if there would not be any scraps available or food available in immediate premises, they would be able to go elsewhere and come back. So actually, if the Lord chose an animal, it, it is kind of logical Having said that, it is still miraculous. It is still miraculous. That God provided for Elijah in this way. And we're told that Elijah goes on in verse 5 that he went and did according to the word of the Lord. He obeyed. He says, okay, fine, I will go to the brook. And he went and stayed by the brook Cherith, which flows into the Jordan. And we're told, we're given a little bit more detail. The ravens brought him bread and meat in the morning and bread and meat in the evening. And he drank from the brook. So Elijah goes out there and he's probably, you know, if we're fans of the outdoors, this, this looks like he has it made, right? I mean, he's out in the wilderness. He has the beauty of the skies in the wilderness and the outdoor effect, of refreshing effect it has on us, a reminder that God is involved in all creation. And he has his, his needs met. If he's thirsty, he drinks from the brook. And then he has ravens deliver food every morning and evening, right? And last night I was, I was kind of joking, thinking, trying to imagine, wow, what it must have been like to see a, a blackbird fly by thinking, wow, is that my meal, right? <laughs> no, it's not. And uh, maybe that one, right? And, and then finally having a meal delivered. And I was kind of, you know, thinking about imagining what it must have been like. And someone came up to me and said, you know, it must have been like the world's first meals on wheels, right? <laughs> And I thought, no, actually, because the truth is, right, it, it wasn't like a ready-made picnic basket, right? Um, it was probably something that was recently killed and something provided among the scraps that Elijah would have to prepare to be able to nourish himself with. Nonetheless, God provided. And it's miraculous, you know, in nature, Right? But if we were to really think about it, a lot of God's provision has the hint or the touch of the miraculous. That we might not count it as something amazing where birds are knocking, you know, pecking at our door saying, here's your meal every day. But it is something of the miraculous. 
It is why maybe we thank him before we have our meal, understanding that God's provided that for us. It's why we give of our resources, acknowledging that really they came from him in the first place. And everything we have that meets our needs has a touch of the Lord's miraculous ability to provide. And it's an amazing thing. If we were able to just sit right there with Elijah and things just ended there, you know, the, the movie began with Elijah stepping onto the scene, declaring the statement, and then it ended with him taking it easy at the brook. That would be amazing. I, that, I like that story. I want that story. I think we do too. The truth is, it didn't end there. Provision wasn't just always there without any need to worry or anxiety or fear. It wasn't always going to be this way. In fact, we're told that after some time, verse 7, that it happened after a while that the brook dried up because there had been no rain in the land. And it's here that I actually felt really compelled to this passage. Because I was thinking about this. It didn't, one day, the brook was flowing full of water, and then the next day it was completely gone, right? It took time. And yet Elijah remained. Every day that water line lowered itself a little bit more. Every day that brook became a smaller creek to an indistinguishable puddle. It dried out. And in the process of drying out, Elijah did not move. He stayed. Now I was thinking, if, okay, I just, just trying to put myself in his shoes. I just said there was going to be no rain or dew, no water. This brook is lowering itself. So there's going to be a day when there's no more water at all. Elijah didn't, you know, proactively say, maybe I should move on to other places of provision. Because that's, that's the thing. God didn't step in and say, I know you're watching this water supply lower itself. Don't worry, okay? It's going to be okay, right? God didn't, he was silent. He just left them there. He allowed Elijah to watch this brook dry out. He allowed Elijah to watch his resources diminish. And he actually asked him to stay there by virtue of not saying anything. And Elijah remained. This is what sets Elijah apart, I think, from any of us. I think it's so easy in those moments to become hasty, to become frustrated, a little nervous, filled with anxiety, and make decisions based on those circumstances. And yet our assignment is right where we're at. We are where we were sent. And the brook might be drying out. But what we do there is huge. It is huge. And I was thinking about this. Just the way the Lord worked with Elijah and worked in his life. And the first thing I was thinking about is just kind of a, something we can glean from this is that God will ask us to endure uncomfortable situations. But he promises to provide for our needs. Because see, once the brook dried out, the Lord stepped in and gave him a word to go elsewhere for provision. But the Lord allowed it 
to dry out without moving Elijah. A lot of times the Lord will place us in situations where it is uncomfortable. Elijah had to endure watching his supply go out. He had to trust and endure through that. And yes, provision was given. But after he endured this, after the brook dried. A lot of times we might be asked to work with people that we may not get along with. We may not be motivated, excited to team up with them. And nonetheless, we're placed in this position. We may be asked or compelled to forgive somebody who we think does not deserve forgiveness. The motivation is not there. And yet we know we're supposed to forgive. To give a word of encouragement and blessing instead of a curse or criticism when we feel strongly it deserves the latter. These situations are very uncomfortable. Very uncomfortable. To remain faithful, not take things up into our own hands in that discomfort is the challenge God sets before us. He doesn't just do this just to do it. In fact, the second point is closely related to this, that God does this because he is deeply interested in building within us a tenacious trust. He is interested in building within us the ability to trust even amidst drying circumstances. Even in the midst of everything around us telling us that maybe, maybe he has forgotten, and yet he has not In fact, the evidence of Elijah being where he's at is that he was sent there. And that he's actually engaged in Elijah's life is that he's allowing him to endure this. So he can increase in his trust, in his strength, in his dependency on God. So we don't see now, and maybe Elijah didn't see either, is that he was actually in step, in line, to not only grow for his own benefit, But he was in line to grow for the benefit of the nation. He was in step and in line to, out of here, bless a family. And then out of there, minister to an entire people group. And call them to a point of tenacity in their trust. In the midst of a drought. See, God was preparing him. And I'm convinced, for some of us, this is our word. That some of us are stuck in places where we are frustrated. We are anxious. We want to make a move. We want to escape. And God is actively working within us. If we remain faithful, steadfast, God is actually increasing our strength. And though we might feel that he may have forgotten, he actually is more engaged than we might realize. I'm convinced some of us are being prepared. We are. We are being strengthened in this spot. And if we remain, we'll be able to see it. We will. Because the reality is if we're willing to wait, which is closing thought, if we're willing to wait, he will show us when we are to move. He will. He will. I'm suggesting that if we remain faithful with where we're at, the post we have, our commitments, the place we initially thought maybe the Lord had brought us to, if we remain steadfast, encourage our resolve and strengthen it, 
and continue to set our hands to the plow, as we say, and labor out where we are, the day will come. Well, perhaps the brook will dry out, but the Lord will step in and give a word for us to move. And that day will be a great day, not only for us, but those around us. Who knows what people will be affected for good if we just remain? Who knows what people will be benefited, not only for the provision for us, but for them as well, if we remain and allow him to move us, if we don't give in to the desire to take things up, to do things on our own time, in our own way, if we have no idea what other pieces God is setting in motion. But when the time is right, he will move us. He will. He will. So with this idea that we're going to go ahead and Share the, in a minute, the band is going to come up and share this song, which is actually going to be a very high energy song. It's going to have a, <laughs> its own fireworks going. But if you were to maybe remember, we started off with a song that's called Dare You to Move, and, and this song is called Do Not Move. And, and so some people came up to me and said, Well, which, you know, which is it? I'm a little confused. <laughs> You're asking me to move, and now. And somebody else says, I'm daring you not to move, right? But you know what? The paradox of our journey is there are times that God compels us to move. There are times where actually the courageous thing is to get up and move and face some things and move forward. Now I'm suggesting that for us, there are some of us that really need to hear this. That where we are is where we're supposed to be. And that for us, remaining is what we're supposed to do. See, may we become a people that remain when it's easiest to walk away. May we become a people that remain, grow stronger, and then strengthen others. Bless others. And fill others with the idea that God is worth waiting on. Because he will deliver. See, our word is coming. It is. It is. For some of us, we need to just remain. We need to not move. And on his time, our word will come. I'm going to pray, and then we're going to go ahead and have our time of giving. It's an opportunity for those of us some of us to give of our offerings and tithe and, and we'll share in this song together. Let's pray. God, I thank you. I thank you that you are actively engaged in our lives even though circumstances might say otherwise. And I thank you, God, that you, in our circumstance, develop strength within us, life within us, and you give us the grace to do as you ask us to do. Help us remain, God, faithful to where you have us. And help us rely on you to provide the path, the word, the provision. May we do this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.